As I mentioned at the beginning of the service, last week we began the season of Lent together. We had an Ash Wednesday service that I know some of you attended. We were over in the worship center and we received some ashes on our forehead as we remembered our own brokenness and acknowledged our deep need for grace. And through this journey of Lent, that is what we are doing as we make our way with Jesus to the cross. We'll hear stories about Jesus' life and ministry as he makes his way toward Jerusalem. And as we journey, this season for me is a time where I pause and I take a moment to wrestle with my own understanding of my relationship to Christ and my own need for grace. I think that's a question, and this, this question of grace is one that we all ponder from time to time. Our own human need and Christ's overwhelming love for us. And believe it or not, we are not the only Christians to ponder and wrestle with the understanding of the complexities of grace that is extended to us from the cross. In just a few moments, we are going to read a passage from Paul's letter to the Romans, where Paul is working to address some of these very questions that were pervading this Christian community as they were wondering their relationship to Christ. And so as we read this together, as I do every week, I invite you to take a moment to listen to the Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? What is a word or phrase that strikes your heart? And I'll invite you to share that with us as we walk through this passage together and listen to the Spirit as it speaks. Will you join me in this reading? For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there transgression. For this reason, the promise depends on faith in order that it may rest on grace so that it may be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the children of God. And we say, thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Holy God, we invite you into this space. Be present with us and open our hearts and minds and ears as we share together what it is that you would have us here this evening. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
So friends, what did the Spirit speak to you? What is a word or phrase that struck your attention or your heart? Yes, Miss Jean. Thank you. Any others? Yes, Marcy. Sure, I'll try my best. That harkens back for me the creation story, the story where God speaks and things that do not exist exist, and who gives life to the dead is for me a reference to resurrection. Uh, And speaking of the God who can only do those things, does that help? Any others? As with Paul, I find that when I read any letter from Paul, I feel like I'm diving into a textbook that I have to pick apart and parse out to really get to the fruit of what Paul is trying to say. And so for me, one of the places that I start when I'm reading something from Paul is the people to whom he's writing to. This particular passage is from the letter to the Romans. And Rome, Rome at this point in time, and the moment that Paul was writing, was a big metropolitan area. There were lots of people in Rome from lots of different cultures and backgrounds believing lots of different things. And yet there was a tiny pocket of Jewish Christians who were gathering together and beginning to form what we know to be one of the first churches. Uh, and up until this point, those, that Jewish community was only about 5% of all of the people in Rome. Up until this point, the, this idea of promise was passed down from generation to generation This inheritance, originally a promise to Abraham, was only for those who followed the letter of the Jewish law. So this was a close-knit Jewish-Christian family of faith that were closed off. And so at this point, the Jews, the Jewish Christians in in that time, thought that this promise was only for themselves. They were closed off and they were worshiping together. But Paul was writing to them and saying, no, I think that you might be missing the mark. This promise of inheritance, this promise of God's kingdom is not just for you, not just for those who follow the letter of the Jewish law, but is it, it is indeed for everyone. But this was a hard message for these Christians to hear because time and time again, over and over again, since they were little, 
They had heard that this was their inheritance, that if they uh, followed all of the right steps, did all of the right things, followed the letter of the law, and then now believed in Christ, this kingdom of God was theirs. It was theirs to hold. So it was a new and probably a little scary idea to open up this promise to the rest of the world, to open up this share of who God is, to open up this kingdom of God to people who didn't look like them, who didn't worship like them, who didn't speak like them, who didn't believe the same things as them. And yet, Paul, writing this letter, says that is exactly who this promise is for, for you and for them, for all. You see, every letter, in every letter Paul writes to every church community he visits and empowers, we see him working very hard to cultivate a missional mindset, to cultivate and break open this idea of inheritance to all. This promise is for all people, expanding the boundaries of what has been to usher in a greater understanding of great, what grace is really about. And in order to do this, and in order to invite this community of Christians into a new way of thinking about what grace could look like, what the kingdom of God could and should look like, this idea of radical inclusivity. To do this, he introduced in this passage a paradigm shift, a movement away from the law as being an agent of salvation and into a new idea that we are saved by grace not by our own merit, not because of anything we could do, not by meeting every letter of the law, but by what Christ has already done for us on the cross. There is nothing that we can do to earn that love, to earn that grace. The promise of inheritance, the promise of salvation, no longer rests on the law, Instead, it rests on grace. It rests completely on the merit of Christ. Not anything that anyone can do. But in order to see, receive that, to, in order to fully rest in the grace that Christ offers in that moment of the cross, we have to have faith in that and to truly rest in the promise of grace. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know truly what it means to rest. You have seen me running around on a Wednesday night in uh, the dinner, chasing around my two babies. Christian, who's three, and Ansel, who is crawling around uh, as an 11-month-old. I am always in motion, and I think we all are too. We are always moving to the next thing, whether it's for work, whether it's a doctor's appointments, or uh, to our friends who are retired. I see you here more than anyone else. 
You are always busy going from place to place, group to group, meeting to meeting. We are always busy. So what does it mean to rest on grace? To rest in the promise and to have faith in that resting. What does that look like for us in this season of Lent where traditionally people like to give up things and take on something? While that's a wonderful way to express Lent and one that I have typically partaken in, what I'm noticing is that it's something else for me to check on a list. What do I give up? And in giving it up, if I meet that criteria of not eating chocolate or not wearing makeup, sometimes I've given up makeup, and not meeting those marks, I almost feel like I am earning or needing to earn the grace and the fullest expression of the resurrection that I will be experiencing on Easter. So what if a fuller expression of Lent could be simply resting in the promise? But what does that look like? In staff meeting yesterday morning, we always begin our time in our staff meeting together with a devotional. And Catherine invited us to Electio Divina, which is a way to pray through Scripture. And she had us pray through Philippians chapter 4, another one of Paul's passages. And it says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any th- excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, to think, praise, think about these things. I'll read that one more time. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And as I heard that verse over and over again, knowing how crazy my own life is, how I feel like I'm running from place to place without a moment to catch my breath, I heard God speak to me, This is what resting on grace could look like. Simply thinking about the ways that the Spirit is showing up in the places where truth abounds, in the places where honor is evident, the places where justice abounds. When we think about these things, we are resting in the grace that is present in those. So what if that's what resting on grace could look like? Resting in the promise that the Spirit is at work in whatever is true. 
whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, and pleasing and commendable and excellent. Those and that is evidence of grace. And so as we traverse on this road toward the cross together, as we are busy jumping from place to place, meeting to meeting, work thing to work thing, I invite you to rest in the promise of grace that it is not ours to earn, but that is given to us. And there is evidence of that grace in every space we inhabit. So think about those things. Ponder them. Notice them. And invite God to remind you of the promise of his love, of Christ's overwhelming love for us in that moment of the cross. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.